2: It's Wednesday, it's 2 o'clock, it is back to a somewhat normal week, at least for one week before we have a Wednesday game next week, and the schedules get crazy all over again. So stoppage time is back, we'll figure out next week as we go, but this week we are preparing for a home game for the first time in, I don't know, forever, and Atlanta United comes off of two losses on the road, and what did you call it, Mike, the nightmare scenario that was Fort Lauderdale, it was just Martinez scoring twice.
1: Yeah, I mean that—that's the nightmare scenario. You, you lose and you lose to Joseph. I mean, it's just it—it it speaks for itself. It's not what you uh, want to have happen. Um, you know, I've gone back. I've—I've I've watched the game again. I'm—I'm I'm probably even a little more frustrated having watched it back now because everything just felt like it came against the run of play for Miami. Uh, and you know, it's the second straight year where we've been down at that stadium and there's a penalty decision right in front of our booth. You know, we had the same booth last year, a penalty decision right on that end right in front of our booth that has a, a big role in determining the outcome of the game and it's frustrating. It you don't want to be in Atlanta United situation right now where um you know, you're putting yourself in position where a decision like that is going to have a big determinant on the outcome. You you want to you want to play better and and hope to be in a, a position where a referee is not gonna have that big of a role in the outcome. You're not there right now on the road. Um, but yeah, I mean it, it's just it stinks. You 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 lost to a team that was well below you on the table. Uh you had long stretches of match control, long stretches of outplaying them. Uh I do not I still do not agree with the penalty decision against Machope. Um I you know, the second goal I thought was offside, but whatever. It was a good finish by Joseph. And then he got one back at the end. But you gotta be better right now. And you gotta be better on the road. And and fortunately, it sounds like Yorgos is getting closer to returning. I think you're dying without him right now. Hopefully, uh that will be pretty much resolved by this week or, or very, very soon. Um, but yeah, it stinks. I mean, you, you don't wanna go down there and lose to Joseph and Joseph beat you, and it's a nightmare. Yeah, At least it was a nightmare no. for me. Yeah,
2: no, it was. I want to dig into a couple aspects of that. Um, I talked about it on, on Atlanta Soccer tonight on Monday night. The road form around the league has really taken a dip in 2023, and it's early. We're about a third of the way through the year. These numbers will change, but right now in the Eastern Conference, there's only been 16 wins from teams on the road period, across the whole conference. The points per game among Eastern Conference teams is 0.89. Atlanta's is Mm 0.83. So they're sixth in the East in points per game. Like, you want to be better. On the road. On the road, road. yeah, on the road. But that's the point is, like, I, I think the conversation is that road form is terrible, terrible, terrible because, yeah, two wins in the last 20, that's not good. Road games... You're looking for the point. You're not playing for a point. But if you're averaging a point per game, you're ahead of the league average in the Eastern Conference right now, Right, and you're not there. So it's so hard to get points on the road. It's very easy to let that color your whole conversation. This team's been on the road a lot, and this Miami game was incredibly frustrating because they played well enough to get a point. They didn't play well enough to get three and they didn't hold things in place long enough to get the point that they deserved, I think. So it's frustrating. Go back to Yorgos. Um, Team's not the same without him. You know, I don't subscribe to plus-minus in soccer all that deeply, but it is pretty dramatic when you look at the numbers in terms of plus-minus with Yorgos Yakimakis on the field. It, It is a huge impact on this team. And it's not just from him scoring goals. It's not just from his movement off the ball, which is outstanding. It's not just his work leading the press and creating turnovers. It's not just the attitude, positional gravity that he has and pulling defenders, um, just giving the team a swagger. It's not just any of those, it's all of those. And that's really difficult to replace, and it hasn't been replaced right now. Um, Machoke Choles had an opportunity here as of late, starting up top, and he had a huge opportunity in the 29th minute to give Atlanta the lead, and it wasn't converted. Um, The penalty, I don't love it because I think Ruiz is desperately looking for it. There's enough contact that it's never going to be overturned. That's the the frustrating part of it, Uh, but Ruiz is looking for it. He's not trying to play the ball. He's not trying to create anything from himself. He knocks the ball away. Kremaski is, is in somewhat in the vicinity of it, but I don't think he's passing it to him. I think he's just knocking it away to draw the contact. Uh, my biggest issue with that, and I said it on the full-time report, is I think Ruiz fouls Gootman as he's trying to save the corner. I mean, he's got his arm out, shoves Gutman into the signboard, and there's no foul there, and that corner is what leads to the penalty. I'm with you. The, the possible offside on Yedlin, again, because of the, the, the way you use VAR and MLS and not having the Hawkeye system with the lines being drawn. Don't think there's enough to overturn it. I'm not sure if you had really a great camera angle on it. It was pretty close to in line with us, and it was a very close decision. Yedlin was walking that tightrope on, on the offside line. But again, I mean the ultimate thing it comes down to is you didn't play badly in Miami. You can look at all the numbers, and you did not play badly. Don't get too hung up on the shot numbers and the chance-created numbers because a lot of those came with 2-0 down and a lot of those came with a man advantage, which was a correct call on on the red to Negri. But all of that said, Atlanta United could have gotten out of there with a draw. It felt like a draw game up until the goal. Miami didn't really create much of anything. They had two shots in the second half. They had two goals in the second half. They had no shots in the first 30 minutes. They had a flurry of shots in the last 15, but only one was on target. So it's not like you got played off the park. But you didn't play well enough to win. And you weren't able to secure the point that I think you deserved. And that's the next step for this team is on the road, making sure that they secure a point and try to get the full three And they're not quite there enough. They're, like I said, and and this is an important thing, and you can poo-poo it all you want, but facts are facts. Atlanta United is pretty much right on the line in terms of Eastern Conference teams on the road. 0.89 points per game is the the Eastern Conference average. 0.83 is Atlanta United's point per game on the road. Everybody's struggling on the road. Everybody. And Atlanta's sixth in the East in points per game on the road. Can they be better? Yep. Should they be better? Yep. But let's stop the everything is on fire routine as well.
1: Yeah, I've I've had to kind of just push away from social media the last day or two. Like I, I, I tweeted that uh you know Capetti and um uh Derek Jones were were going to be out on on Saturday for Charlotte uh, because of yellow card accumulation and just get a flurry of well it doesn't matter this is what atlanta's reduced to now hoping that good players on the other team are out it it's like it's called what, reporting where, folks what well yes but but the fact e- even if i were trying to share an opinion in that which i wasn't i the the temperature of the room is out of scale with the reality right now yes um are are we just flushing away the first month of the season, where Atlanta United won five matches, had a a six match at home that was a draw that that probably should have been a win. Uh, had a call going the other way.
2: Only two points that you've dropped at home all season.
1: Yeah, and and, and a, a game you probably should have won. By the way, uh, you know that that come from behind win against San Jose looks pretty good right now. Yeah. Uh, I know. A lot of narratives were out there about the quality of San Jose. Um, I, I that that's just I see that. I see comments about well, Miami had teenagers in the midfield, so therefore Atlanta United should have run them off the park. I don't. First of all, I think that's incredibly demeaning to enter Miami. Yeah, uh, one of
2: those one of those teenagers in Ruiz is going to the U twenty World Cup. Yeah. So let's let's slow that roll a little bit. Yeah. Kremosky, probably would have gone to the U-20 World Cup. And Mikey Varas, the U-20 U.S. men's national team manager, is speaking right now. So I don't know what he said about Kremoski because there was some conversation that maybe he has called up. He's also in the sights of the Argentine youth national team program. And I don't know if, because Ruiz went, so I don't think the club said no to Kremoski mm-hmm. getting called up. I wonder if maybe he said no because he wants to keep all of his options open and he doesn't want to commit either way yet. But that's two really good teenagers yeah. that started for Miami in this. Yeah,
1: like, like do you do you think sporting Kansas City fans last year were saying, oh, we lost a match that Caleb Wiley played in uh, you know, we should burn it all down. No. <laughs> like I, I just I, I feel it feels to me like there is this mindset that it's gotta be all or nothing. You know, we talked about this last year too. It's just this all-or-nothing mindset that uh, you're either winning or you suck. And I I just, I I don't think it's fair right now to say you suck without including the context of why you're in the position you're in right now. By the way, four road matches in five Mm -hmm. is barbaric by scheduling. Standards. Go,
2: go back I, to what I was just saying about home form and, and road form. And, and you yeah. want to talk about the funk that Atlanta United is in? Look at the schedule.
1: It, it, it's <laughs> crazy. You know, we, we were talking about this with Garth Lagerway on the plane. I know there are some Wednesday home games coming up, but I want you to think about this. Since April 8th, you have spent four of the last five weekends on the road since April 8th. You're home this Saturday, and I know the LAFC game's being moved, but had that stayed the same, after this Saturday, three more consecutive weekends on the road. It's crazy. I I mean, now, yes, you're not playing at New England. You're not playing at Cincinnati or at Philadelphia. I mean, some of these road matches are against opponents you should be taking care of, like Miami, Um I'd argue Toronto's a team you're better than. You should be beating them on the road. But it is, it's very disruptive to a team's routine and very, very limiting to a way that a player can return from injury and achieve full fitness if you're losing every Friday to travel. Think about that. I mean, I I think one of the standards, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jason, but it feels like one of the standards that this team uses in determining whether or not a player can start on the weekend is if they can give you a full training on Thursday or ideally Friday. When Friday now, yeah, when Friday is being spent in transit and you're having to make these decisions 24 hours earlier because you've got to get a flight manifest put together, That complicates things. I'm not making excuses. I'm just giving you an explanation right now. This, I think when the schedule came out, we circled this stretch, starting with New York City on April 8th and ending with the June international window. We circled that stretch and said, that is going to be very difficult with the amount of road matches you have plus an open cup thrown in there and two Wednesday matches in in the second half of May. One of which is against the team that's leaning for the shield right now. Mm-hmm. So I get it. And we can have discussions about are you getting enough out of Miguel Berry? No. no. Are you getting enough? Do you wish that Eric Lopez would be healthy right now? Oh, so yes. you'd have another option other than Yorgos Yakamaki. Yeah, absolutely. We can Matching have Watching him
2: with Atlanta United to up until his injury, I think, and I don't know this for a fact, but I think He would have started the Open Cup match, and I think he would be starting in place of Yakamaki's when he's out because he was that good for Atlanta United, too. And it's not just about a goal scoring or an assisting kind of thing. It is all the little things. It's leading the press. It's making the runs off the ball. It was all the things that he was being tasked with with the twos and delivering on high, high levels of performance there. And he would have gotten the opportunity. Bad luck injury right before the Open Cup match. Uh, High ankle sprain. He's not back yet. Um, Not back this week yet. And hopefully he'll be back soon because he gives you that extra depth. But talk about somebody who was taking advantage of the opportunity to work themselves back in. It was Eric Lopez. And unfortunately had awful luck with an injury that took him out of action.
3: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, the good news is, like, you're going to, second half of the year – you're going to make up for a lot of these home games that you aren't getting right now. That Sometimes. that is the good news, and you're going to have to take advantage of that. And yeah. and the Benz is going to have to be your fortress, which and is, it has been this year.
2: That's the it thing. Absolutely it's, has it's, been. This you've year. only dropped two points. You're second yeah. best in the Eastern Conference in terms of home points per game. There's only yeah. one team that's perfect, Cincinnati.
1: Right. It, it it was not as much of a fortress last year, but that was last year. This year, yeah. It, yeah. it's so far it's been your fortress. So I I just think again. Way, way too early to be making some of the pronouncements I've been seeing on social media about this team's coach, this team's technical director, this team's roster. I think it's you are way, way, way too early in making those kinds of leaps. I think there is another MLS club on Monday who made a colossal mistake in sacking a manager way too early, and that's Chicago. Uh, I thought they made a colossal mistake in overcorrecting. to, I mean, Chicago had one loss on the season before getting clipped right at the very end on a very unlucky goal for them, uh, an own goal against Atlanta less than two weeks ago. Prior to that, they only had one loss on the season and now, you know, they've, they've sagged a little. And you're overcorrecting, and you're firing a very highly thought of coach, um, who was doing some good things and taking Chicago in a positive direction. The the Red Bulls thing, that's put that off to the yeah. side. That that situation's complicated. Yeah, but and that was the
2: right move if it was time.
1: A- absolutely, and and I think a lot of it has to do not with performance on the pitch, yeah, although that's both. a huge part of it. But yeah. the, just the complete bungling of the Dante Van Zier situation, but. But I I feel like you get into trouble when you overcorrect to a short sample size. Uh, and, you know, Jason and I were talking about this on Saturday. That I don't know if this is Jason's opinion. It's certainly mine. I think one of the, the biggest mistakes Atlanta United has made in its history was sacking Frank DeBoer after Disney World, where, I mean, there were... Absolutely awful at Disney World. They didn't score a goal in three matches. There were things going on around the team at that time, but I thought it was too short a sample size to determine that the direction of travel was not good, to use the the term that Darren used. And I I think for a while after that decision was made, we could say Atlanta United may not have gotten that right and letting go of Frank DeBoer. Now, there might have been other issues that I'm still not aware of. This is just my opinion. You know, they sacked Frank after a bad three matches. And it still, to this day, looks like it might have been a mistake. Um, You just don't. Smart business people do not make rash decisions based on small sample size. And I'll give you one more just to kind of throw one more log on the fire. All right, Atlanta United's lost three in a row, Jason, correct? Mm -hmm. Across all competitions? Across all competitions, yeah. There might have been one match in those three where Atlanta United was really played off the park. And ironically, it was the match where they led for 95 minutes.
2: Yeah, which (laughs) affected the way the game played out. Yes.
1: Like, you cannot, I'm sorry, you just cannot, in my opinion, objectively say, and I, I know that people watch matches through different lenses and have different opinions, and that's cool. Like, that's why we have this show to debate. You cannot tell me that Atlanta United was run off the field by Nashville. No, I don't agree with that. No, uh, you certainly cannot tell me they were run off the field by Miami. No, uh, and I think the statistics would bear that out. Um, I thought Atlanta was good enough to get draws in both of those matches. Yeah, The result that Atlanta United has had recently that I think was the most distressing for me, oddly, was the draw in Toronto. Because that's a match where you needed to hold on and slam the door and yeah. win and make a statement, and you didn't. And you, you got one point instead of three. That, to me, was the most concerning result of everything I've seen lately. So this is not th- this is not like what we saw maybe last July where Austin came in and just absolutely ran Atlanta United out the building. And, and it was in the middle of a tough run. This team is close. I think it's a lot closer than score lines are showing, and I think the score lines have been unflattering. All that being said, you got to get it done now against Charlotte, with their leading goal scorer and two of their top three leaders in minutes played for the season out. You've got to get this done against Charlotte. You've got to get three points at home, and I want to see a good performance and hopefully a three point outcome. And and Millsabi is correct. I am the most concerned. I'm with you about being 28th out of 29 teams of the league and goals allowed. Big concern. Totally agree. Totally agree. Do not like that number. But I think if you break down some of the recent goals conceded, you're talking about individual mistakes that are being punished. Not necessarily team breakdowns that are being punished. Individual mistakes that are being punished. Oh, and by the way, you haven't had your number one goalkeeper for your last five competitions. Want to throw that out there as well. So, what what position in terms of goals allowed? Twenty eighth out of twenty nine teams.
2: What position are you in goals scored?
1: Oh, it's funny you bring that up. They're second.
2: Yeah, uh, they do yeah. go hand in hand to a degree. Yeah. Um, and
1: and, and in goal difference, I want to say they're top ten.
2: So, um... yeah, it's plus two. Um, they might be uh, just glancing at it in the Eastern Conference. They are fifth. Um. Yeah, look, I mean, this is going to be a team that generally gives up a few more goals than some others because they're going to commit more numbers forward. And when you get caught in transition, you get caught in transition. They're going to take that chance because the idea has always been, and I think it's always been celebrated, that this is a team that wants to score a lot of goals. And you're not going to score a lot of goals with keeping seven behind the ball and attacking with three. It's just not going to happen. doesn't happen that way anywhere in the world. So the more you go for those goals, the more risk you invite. And I feel like the balance hasn't been there without Yakimakis. And, and that's what I want to see get back either with him, ideally, because then you have your, your best goal scorer on the field and somebody who changes your team in a very positive way. And when he's not available, which he won't be, you know, for every minute of the rest of the season, you've got to find a way to still get some of that in a different way. And that's been the, the disappointing factor of what we've seen as of late. But you're right. You know, you go back through these games and Miami and Nashville, you're good enough to get a point, but you don't get it. And that is part of it. You have to you have to look at both sides. I mean, the, the performance, good enough to get a point. You're not played off the park. You're not blown out by Nashville. There's, their third goal comes when you have a play going into the 18 that could have made it 2-2. And it's a good play from them. They break. You're overcommitted. They put the third goal away. They put that game away. That's what good teams do. That's quality. Miami, it's a crazy one. I mean, the penalty is the penalty. The second goal borderline. They had nothing going forward really outside of one other opportunity that was saved in the first half. They had six other shots that were either blocked or wide or high in the first half. That's That's literally their attacking output. That's it. So this is where Atlanta has to show its quality when they come back home because the facts are there. Like I laid out at the beginning, like I talked about on on AST, the facts are there in terms of you have have gained every point but two at home and you're second best in the East at home. You are slightly under the Eastern Conference average on the road, .83 to .89. You've dropped some points on the road. You win that game in Toronto. We're having a very different conversation about road form, but you don't, but you don't, and that's part of it. So you've got to now, with back-to-back games at home, Saturday, Wednesday, you've got to take advantage of being back home because that's been a big advantage around the league, and I think the way you do that against Charlotte on Saturday is you come out with intensity early. I think what we've seen from Atlanta United in general has been a team and and maybe throw the the end of the first half out in Fort Lauderdale, but I think this has been a team that's really grown into games really well. I think they, they've they gotten better as games have gone on, better as each half has gone on. I think Tiago Almada is somebody who really comes alive as the, the game goes on and he starts to figure out those soft spots in, in a defense and where he can pick up the ball, but also where he can hurt teams. You've got to start faster in this one, in my opinion, and it's because of the opponent. It's not because you need to to get the crowd going or anything like that. The crowd should be going. We haven't seen this team at home in a long time. I hope they're going, but you've got to be aggressive early because Charlotte does not handle pressure well. Charlotte is a team who doesn't play out of the back all that well. This is a team that looked rattled against Atlanta when they started with high intensity on the road in Charlotte. Atlanta's got to play that way against Charlotte on Saturday. You get some early goals. You get a comfortable night. You don't want to have to fight all the way through the 90th minute in this one. You want to get a goal early. You want to get a multiple goal lead And you want to be able to think a little bit about Wednesday coming up and rotations you might need to do. That is the key against Charlotte for me. I think Brooks Lennon becomes extremely key in this match getting forward because I don't think Charlotte can contain him. They're not going to play Brant Bronico at left back, but who are they going to play at left back? Because that was the issue why they played Bronico there. They're, they're not going to have that same attacking threat, but they are going to have Carol Schwederski. Uh, Camille Yozviak is starting to get going a little bit. I don't know if he's 90 minutes fit, but he's an option for them off the bench. You've got to put this team away early, and you've got to be aggressive, and you've got to counter-press, and you've got to find those turnovers against them because I don't think they fight back when they fall behind. Atlanta has constantly fought for 90 minutes plus every game. Say what you want about this team and how you feel they are and whatever. They do not stop until the final whistle is blown. They almost rescued something in Fort Lauderdale. They almost rescued something in Nashville. They fight, and they're not going to let up. Charlotte? Mm. Go back to that game up there. It didn't look like they had a lot of fight in that second half. Break them early and break the game and be able to start thinking about Wednesday because – you do have to look at the workload for these guys right now. And you're you're going into more midweek games. you got to start thinking about, okay, can my midfield play 180 minutes in less than a week together? Or do I need to be ready to rotate? And luckily, you've got guys who can, but you've got to find those right combinations. And just, you want comfortable halves. You get a good start in this one, might be a more comfortable second half. And you've got to take advantage if you can.
1: On that note, I know you were at training yesterday. Um, Anything on Ibarra, Yakimakis, uh, any of the other banged-up players right now?
2: So let me see if I can remember everything. Um, Ibarra, full participant training, no issues with him. Um, Yakimakis is back training. He was supposed to be either a limited participant as the session went on or work on the side. I think the the explanation was a little in between. It was a little ambiguous. And he was pretty involved. I mean, he was, I think, managing his workload in the session, which wasn't a heavy, intense session anyway, because you were bringing guys in from the second team as well. And it wasn't an early in the week session. Today is a more intense day. Tomorrow is a more intense day. Um, so it was maybe a day where Yorgos was feeling a little bit better than he might have thought coming in. And he's like, yeah, I can be a neutral in this activity and, and still be around. Um, Osvaldo Alonso is a full participant in training, but he is not going to be ready to play yet. He's been out so long. You've got to get fitness and sharpness back up to a certain level, but he's able to get through entire sessions now, which is a a great, great thing. So you're getting that back. Uh, Brad Kazan was working on the side and he's a, monster in terms of coming back from injuries, as we're learning over these past couple of years. And I mean, he looks like he's chomping at the bit ready to go. Uh, We'll see how soon he's back into the mix. Um, But yeah, outside of that, I mean, it was a a good session. They were working on those connections and and trying to be able to break teams down. I think when you look at a Charlotte opponent and, and how Atlanta broke them down before, it's a good day to kind of bring that back full circle and find those combinations to open the game up. And that was the focus yesterday.
1: Uh, just before we say goodbye, just to run through the Twitch pitch really quickly, not a lot on here, but a couple people on Dwyer Watch, I guess there was a social media post.
2: He was, I guess, in the Braves last night with Brooks and, and Gutman. So um, I don't know anything about it, but I, I saw the post, um, but I don't know if that means anything more than visiting buddies. Um you know, if, if if Eric Lopez is gonna be out longer than you would have hoped, it's a high ankle sprain and those can be a problem. Um maybe. Maybe. I mean, he's he's a free agent, so maybe, but I don't know if it means anything other than just hanging out at the Braves game with his friends.
1: Yeah, I'm just I'm trying to think if it like, do you have even a supplemental roster spot open right now where you could sign him for a low money deal? I don't know. Um I and I, for that matter, I don't know.
2: Um, I will try to answer I, that question while, while you're talking.
1: I don't even know if you could work something screwy with loans to open up a spot with him right now. Um, that, to me, is my bigger question. Like, if, if Wire was in Atlanta for a reason other than he's a Red Sox fan, I don't even know <laughs> if he is, but um, I don't even know if you could do anything right now. Uh, um,
2: him- I believe that you could. Okay. And, and you always have to take the MLS website with a grain of salt in terms of their roster designations because they have gotten them wrong before. Um, but it is public from what they have here. And you have your 20-man your roster that's a senior roster. That's not what we're really looking into here. We're looking at the supplemental spots. And the question would be, how these are all divided up and if you can fit him in and with guys loaned away, how people slide in. Cause there's three different sections of supplemental spots. Um, the last two spots, there's four guys in that section. Um, Tyler Wolf, Caleb Wiley, a Johnny fortune, Noah Cobb. Cobb is mostly with the twos a Johnny fortune, a lot with the twos Tyler Wolf, a good bit with the twos, you know, is that a little bit of a, two in two out kind of a deal in terms of the roster week to week i believe that it is you've also got an extra in the next section supplemental spots 25 to 28 Chol, etienne mcfadden are all listed there conway is there as well but he's loaned out right and then where just according to what's on here you apparently have an opening um, or potentially could have an opening is in that first section a Marsedich is in that 20 supplemental spots 21 to 24. you can have four guys. there's one a Marsedich. okay so if you have two of your your bottom end supplemental guys that are in there, then that's still one open spot and then with Conway loaned out that should be an open spot possibly maybe. So yeah, I think you have a supplemental spot to work with.
1: And Windows would not be relevant. He's a free and
2: he was here last, so you're not doing an international transfer. So, yeah, he is. uh, I'm from my understanding, and we've seen some other teams make signings here as of late. um, Yeah, I think you could do it. But do you? I don't know. And it just depends on if you can fit the salary into a supplemental spot. But I think you have a supplemental spot to work with.
1: All right, well, then I declare Dwyer Watch to be open. Uh, (laughs) We'll we'll see. Let's be a little bit realistic about Dom, too. I love the guy. I mean, great guy, uh, was a great teammate last year. Uh, Let's just remember, too, Dom went through some scoring slumps himself, uh, especially at the end of last year when he was called upon the last couple matches. But when
2: you go back to what you're missing with your ghosts and what Dom would give you, that that counter-pressing, the movement yeah. off the ball, some of the things that got him into the lineup last year yep. when you weren't getting those things. Um, he would be able to do those. You you know? could he a know, do a lot worse. To some degree, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's not a crazy idea. We'll just have to wait and see. But, yeah, I do think there is a supplemental spot. Again, I'm going from the public side of the Atlanta United section on MLSsoccer.com, which has been incorrect at times, but it appears that there is a supplemental
1: spot available. All right, well, Dwyer Watch is on. We'll see if he suits up Saturday. No, just kidding. But uh, (laughs) Jason and I will be with you on Saturday, 7 o'clock for the Five Stripes Countdown, 7.30 the kickoff. Remember, if you're going to the match on Saturday, after the match is over, Unified Team After Dark, uh, they're going to be playing uh, the Atlanta United Unified Team, Special Olympics Unified Team, and Charlotte's Mm -hmm. Special Olympics Unified Team. So stick around after the first team match is over. Uh, the unified kids would love to have yeah. your support. Those are great matches; they're very fun, very entertaining. Uh, we're going to have a member of the unified team on us, on with us uh, during the pregame show on Saturday. So you'll be able to move
2: down to sections one twenty six through one thirty, and yep. you can watch the game from there. And if you do have to take off, uh, there will be a broadcast that I think it's going to be on like every Atlanta United social media platform there is maybe we'll invent a few for this uh john nelson will be on play by play i think matt moore is going to keep the seat warm for me and then i'll run down when we're done and uh joe farhofer will be on the sideline reporting
1: oh cool great no that's great uh well there you go so uh we'd love to have you in person because the kids will feel that support but if not uh we'll keep you up to date on that And then, yeah, next week, uh, maybe Tuesday, we'll kind of play that by year. Probably.
2: uh, Once we see the training schedule for next week, we'll be able to make a call. So just make sure you're following us on Twitter, Conti 99 long shoe for me, and we'll let you know. But I I need to see the training schedule first and media availability. I I don't know what it'll look like with the midweek
1: game. I'm going to put a $5 bet on Tuesday, but we'll see. I'm assuming, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, hey, look, you got to take advantage of these next two home games. Hopefully, yep. uh, the vibe will be uh, much improved when we have stoppage time again. But thank you for joining us today, and uh, we'll see you on Saturday at the bench.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.